Brian, we're finally here. It's 2024, and this episode is a month late, but there's some splaining to do. But before we get into that, let me just do what I had set up for when this was initially supposed <laughs> to be released, which was December 3rd. And so I go, ho, 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 or should I say, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. So welcome back to Third Times a Charm, the show that takes an in-depth look at the third installment of a franchise. This is episode 79, The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause. I am your host, Michael Manzi, and I am here with none other than my unofficial co-host, Brian Rodriguez. Welcome, Brian. We've been trying to get this one out for a while because it is an important episode. It is a movie people have been <laughs> clamoring for. The Every Claus episode is of equal importance. All my children are number one to me. I cannot pick a single one. Although, if I were to pick one this year, it's go check out the Psycho 3 episode that I did with Dan Cologne from The Monsters That Made Us. That made the uh, year-end Cage Club list of bests. Very nice, very nice. And I just want to apologize to the third times. What do you call them? The trifectors? Like, is there like a... Oh, I don't know. Are there enough of them to call them something? What constitutes a collective? Like, how many followers do I need? How many listeners uh, until they are duly dubbed some type of non-deplume? My wrestling fandoms, like a lot of people, certainly ebbs and flows. And, you know, after mm -hmm. like not caring or even like, just even caring about the history of it for like, a year or two now just recently i've been watching a lot of like historical youtube videos you have okay. to watch if you have any interest in, in wrestling you have to watch i think it's cultaholic they have the golden age of wwf slash e three parts each are two hours long like it's so in-depth and it's amazing but i bring it up because when wcw was getting hot of course you know when they were forming the nwo they had scott hall they had kevin nash and people were like who's the third man who's the third man and it ended up being hulk hogan and it was a huge watershed moment in wrestling history so like maybe your fans are the maybe not men but the third people something like that you know what i mean like the mm. third the third fan <laughs> i don't know we are living on the third rock from the sun so true you know true maybe i could just call them earthlings uh, I want to apologize to your listeners out there. We we tried this a bunch of times. Um, Not, none of which was your fault, though, Brian. Why are you apologizing? Well, for this, because I'm normally in my home. And today I am quite literally doing the most stereotypical thing ever. I am podcasting from my mother's basement. While doing laundry. Yeah, so if you hear a laundry machine in the background, if you hear my baby crying upstairs, there's going to be a lot of domestic sound effects perhaps today. Maybe not. Who knows? Instant production value, all that free sound effects going on. This this is just the night that worked for us, and, and I'm happy mm -hmm. to be here. Got to jog my memory, because I definitely watched this in the pre-Christmas lead-up, but we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. Jog your memory. Maybe I should explain a little bit really quick up top what is happening, and kind of, if you will, meet me inside of the chronodome as worlds collide and i can get a little bit like our coppola podcast here and and reveal some behind the scenes some talk some kayfabe explain what's <laughs> been going on with this show for a month and how i missed that episode my first episode i missed my first episode and you know 
a lot of stuff must have been going on for that to happen. And indeed, I got deathly sick. Like I had a huge virus, uh, like the big flu. Then after that, I got a bad cold. My eyesight has changed. Like things are going on. I'm going through a breakup. Like everything is happening at once, right? And so in the mix... Lost in the shuffle, we are here now, but the episode could not be recorded till right now. We had tried several times. I've been back to work, luckily, but on my days off, I felt like garbage and still recuperating. Brian, the last time we recorded, I think I really got my mojo back, and now I feel like I'm ready to go again. And so, you know, we did it. We're here. That's what's been happening. And if you want a more in-depth look on the goings-on of Mike Manzi's life, follow him on Letterboxd. I feel like there's like a clue in every movie review you have. <laughs> <laughs> about what's happening i read one the other day i was like what you're like oh oh uh rebel moon uh the new zach schneider film uh my review is something along the lines of uh i put this on but i'm on heavy painkillers right now <laughs> yes i also had to get a root canal folks so oh, like, i didn't know that yeah that just happened last saturday oh my god so yeah piece together the uh inner workings of my life through letterbox <laughs> but uh, yeah santa claus three where do you want to start here man my history with the santa claus is like very little believe it or not even though the first one came out when i was like in high school i saw it in theaters oh, down wow. the street from where i work now actually in that town i saw a lot of movies in that town i was like i was like i'm not too old for this like this isn't good i don't like tim allen like I don't believe in <laughs> santa what am i doing here and then the moment in that movie arises when he kills santa and becomes him and i was like all right well maybe there's a little something <laughs> worth watching here that's kind of the gimmick of the santa claus is that like oh well he accidentally killed santa santa falls off his roof you wear santa's coat and you become him it's like this strange kind of Cronenbergian sort of like body morphing thing that happens to you. Now there's three movies and two seasons of a Disney Plus show. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised you've actually saw this one in the theater. I definitely saw it in the theater as well. Um, this is more my... Well, generation. not this one. Not the no, third no, 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 one. sorry, sorry. Okay. The Santa Claus, yeah. Just checking. Um, <laughs> the original the santa claus within you know an e of course if you're keeping score at home like a contractual clause which i remember that blowing my mind as a kid like oh snap but like home alone home alone 2 were the christmas movies when i was really little and like a couple years older like this was the big christmas movie um it was awesome at the time i maybe rewatched it a couple years ago for the first time in like a decade or so yeah and i thought it was still amazing it's a christmas classic it's really you, good. really it's a christmas classic oh yeah the first one the first one obviously i know yeah we're still on the first one yes it's one of the most popular christmas movies out there it's regularly on people's top 10 lists there's like minor hits in between there like things like jingle all the way and stuff like that but it's the Santa Claus, it's Elf, and then whenever, I think the Grinch was before Elf. I actually quite like the newer Grinch, the animated one was uh, pretty cool. Oh yeah, cool. that one's pretty cool, that one's pretty cool, but I'm talking yeah. about the Jim Carrey of one, course, of course. Of course, of the, course, the horrifying nightmare. You know, and then you have things like the Polar Express, stuff like that, right? But this this is Even definitely- more horrifying. <laughs> yes, that that's so Uncanny Valley. I know you covered it for Hanks. Dude, that's so uncanny, there's like X-Men in that movie. The <laughs> you know, this one- is certainly a cornerstone Christmas film. Oh. Um, again, when I say this one, I mean The Santa Claus. 
I was not aware. I mean, then I was too altered at the time and like never went back. Right. And like when I saw sequels popping up, they just weren't on my radar. And when it comes to Christmas movies, I mean, I, I, I'm like a Christmas story, Scrooged, Gremlins, you know, I lean a little darker, maybe. I don't know. First Blood. First Blood, Die Hard. I mean, not to say that the Santa Claus isn't dark. He kills Santa and becomes him. Like there's something very twisted about that, but they don't touch upon that at all. I did like looking back and seeing that, who is it, Krumholtz is in that movie. We'll get to him because this is a huge deal. He's a big miss in the third one. And there's a background about it, which is very interesting. But again, Bernard is a legend from the first one and the second one, frankly. But the Santa Claus, I, mm-hmm. I didn't think I would become this guy. I did not want to become this guy. And I'm not talking about Santa Claus, by the way. Well, you could have fooled me, Brian, because you got that bushy beard. But, you know, after I had a daughter, it really, like, changed my perspective on things. And then not, like, in crazy ways. I'm not, like, you know. It's was, been, like, what, three months? But I'm not, I wasn't, like, oh, I was pro-nuclear war, now I'm against it. But um, the one thing is, like, again, she's so young, but I still, like, I'm looking forward to those future Christmases and, like, the movies that she can see for the first time and the wonderment of seeing them. And, and the Santa Claus, Santa Claus 1, is on that list, right? The Santa Claus 2... Oh, yeah. I have not seen the Santa Claus 2. And I feel like after watching Santa Claus 3D Escape Clause, I missed a lot. I, I think so. I think so. Because the Santa Claus 1, while, of course, there's a lot of magic and lore, obviously, right? But it's super grounded. It's almost like the family man with Nick Cage. Like, yeah. it's like this super serious businessman has to learn to like open his heart and become happy and care about kids and shit like that except at the end of the santa claus like it doesn't all get like reversed and like he has to go be depressed oh it's actually the opposite in this you know some of the interesting parts of that first one that made it grounded was right like he he did not want to be santa it was the santa claus that sort of forced him into it and there was no escape from it unless at that time the only thing we knew was if he was murdered or took his own life. That's the only way out. Exactly. And that's why, again, I'm going to be critical of this film. Because that's that's like the biggest deal with the first one. Is like, if he could choose not to be Santa Claus by clutching a snow globe and using the escape clause, he would have done that. It's just amazing that, you know, oh, this didn't come up till now, which is annoying. Well, I don't think he could have done it like immediately from what i understood in this movie he needed to have been santa for a while for this clause to kind of like come into they never say that though they should you're right like oh now that you're a 20 year santa or something this is what happens has he been santa for 20 years though it's been like five right no in this one i I think it's just how old was charlie and was the daughter even alive then no, no, no. So it's just Charlie, your boy from Beverly Hills Cop 3, Judge Reinhold. Um, he married, you know, the mom, and they just have Charlie. They don't have a kid of their own. That's what we see in the first film. In the second film, they have a daughter together. Charlie's now in high school, so I guess I could cover it on High School Slumber Party. Oh, yeah, I'll be on. Let's do that. <laughs> and he is um, one of the bad boys of school. There's a big lack of Christmas high school movies so we should do this next year part two note to self note to self second it sounds like he'd be sent to those 80s and 90s uh camps uh wilderness survival camps that they just i just watched the netflix documentary about one yesterday where like you pay 20 grand to take your kid like they come in the middle of the night and essentially kidnap him and like put him on a plane and send him out in the middle of fucking nowhere (laughs) (laughs) yeah in the second one he's 
on the naughty list. It's not oh. like crazy because it's still a Disney movie. But like those are the two plot points. Well, one and the other one is it's the Mrs. Clause, which is a new clause in the contract. Bernard is still in it, which is David Crumholtz, and the Mrs. Clause says, "Oh, basically, you're gonna stop being Santa unless you get married." So he has another out. Yes, technically, but he now he likes being Santa. But he doesn't yet want to get married. Is that the thing? He has two weeks to find a wife. Two weeks. So it's like the bachelor. It's like Santa bachelor. Or it's like a month. The thing is he's de-santifying. So he's not like fat. Oh, he's going in reverse. Yes. Which oh is kind of, honestly, it's kind of cool. You know, spoiler alert for those of you out there. He ends up falling for, and she ends up falling for him. Charlie's high school principal. Elizabeth Mitchell. Is that Elizabeth Mitchell? Yeah. Who as well. Okay. She doesn't hate Christmas in like a Scrooge way, but like, you know, she doesn't like Christmas decorations in school, stuff like that, she's, right? She's a Scrooge. Kind of, right? But the, but they get together. Wait, let me ask you this. So when they meet, has he desantified so much that you would never guess that he was ever Santa? Like, has he just looked sort of like a shabbier Tim Allen? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm falling for like a normal dude. Yes, and yes. then like they say I do, and he suddenly transforms into the one thing she hates the most, which is Christmas personified. He's basically got to, like, show her the love of Christmas. Honestly, my favorite scene in that movie, and, like, this is, like, a rich person party idea if you're out there Ooh. is that they're at the faculty party people are sort of like not enjoying it he's her date at the faculty party like a loose date right and he listens to what everyone's childhood favorite toy was and they mm. do like a secret santa and like through his magic they all like pick a toy does his magic malfunction like since he's losing it or is he good he, ha- he still has a little bit of it so he can manifest gifts like let's say you really wanted a teddy ruxpin right when you were a kid at this faculty party they have teddy ruxpin it's a really nice moment and it's like how did you and like it kind of shows her Mm. the love of christmas but the wackiest part of the movie is because you know like i feel like they had to well two wacky parts i feel like they had to add some more elements to make sure the kids came right okay like they could just rely on a good movie unfortunately like disney in this era so while santa is desantifying they don't want to alarm the elves wait what that but wouldn't the elves who have presumably gone through hundreds if not thousands of Santas at this point and written the rules and they themselves don't seem to age very quickly wouldn't they be like prepared for this if it happened I sort of read some stuff and apparently this this particular situation Scott Calvin was the first for it to happen to get the f out but but we'll, we'll get there apparently they like forgot about the Santa Claus Bernard and his new right-hand man Curtis the Mrs Claus. Yeah, the Mrs. Claus. Curtis the Elf, played by Spencer Breslin, who we see in the third film as well. Um, he He's like Bernard's new assistant, David Crumholtz. Wait, is that Abigail Breslin and Spencer? Are they They're brothers. They're brothers. I never knew that. And, and Alan Arkin worked with both of them in the same year. So they don't want to alarm the elves for whatever reason. So they build a toy robot life-size Santa. You got to look this up. Santa Claus 2, toy oh, robot this, Santa. I think I might have seen this monstrosity. Like, this looks like heart beeps, right? Like, it looks like, you know what I mean? That Andy Kaufman movie where he plays a robot? I mean, I vaguely know it, but I know what you're talking about, right? You know that Primus video where they're on the ranch and they all look like toys? So... This version of Santa Claus becomes like a militant fascist, which 
it's like creepy, but I actually ended up enjoying. And he ends up turning into the the North Pole into like a, a fascist state. Yeah, he's wearing he's wearing like a Mussolini outfit <laughs> or some shit. Like, holy crap! And this movie was also the first time you saw like the Council of whatever they're called, like fictional, not fictional. Sorry, the Council right. of Mythical beings jack frost is not in this one there's like the tooth fairy and the easter bunny and all that shit and it's more of a gag in this one it's it's like an integral part of the third film this feels like a callback so before we talk santa claus 3 because i know that's why we're here no it's okay no rush i just want to mention that the tv show which i didn't watch is two seasons long now news has recently come out that tim allen is is very tough to work with which had been rumored previously right But to be fair, look, again, we're not going to talk politics on this show, but you and I, though, probably lean the same way. So I say this and I don't want anyone to take it out of context. There was a moment a couple years ago where all these studios were were going a little too far when it came to who they wanted to work with and who they didn't want to work with, because it was impossible really to, you know, I hate to use this word, cancel some people, not cancel others, decide which ones. Look, there are people who are very much worth canceling. I'm not saying I'm not anti-cancel culture, and and Disney knows that more than anyone. But Tim Allen got, like, quietly canceled because he's a well-known Republican. But, you know, he's always represented a blue-collar comedy and stuff like that. Yeah, home and improvement you know power tools and building your own stuff and the man shed and so yeah a sort of middle america mindset that a lot of people have i'm not defending tim allen's politics nor his terribleness to work with nothing like that they used um what's it named captain america's voice for the new lightyear movie i know it was supposed to be a different character right but a lot of people were upset about that because they were used to tim allen being buzz lightyear they were not making new santa claus movies when there was actually demand for them disney ended up reversing course because they realized it's all about the money, right? So they pushed this show. People were excited about it. From what I gather, and again, I haven't seen a second of the show. The show has like so much more sci-fi elements than you would think. These are small facts that I've gathered from the Wikipedia article. Scott Calvin was the first true human Santa. That the Santas previously were more like elven and some of them could live 200, 300 years. What? Wait, maybe someone like aliens too is what you're saying? It's like the Green Lantern Corps, like anyone who puts on the ring. He's like the Hal Jordan of Santas. He's the first from Earth. Again, I, if you're a Santa Claus the show expert, correct me if I'm wrong, this is just what I gathered. All right. I need to know how a Santa can die so easily. Like that's a whole other thing. Well, some, something that I read someone was criticizing about the show is that there is a bit more fate than the movie would imply. The original Santa Claus, it is total coincidence and accident that it becomes Santa. It's actually quite a brilliant moment when he thinks someone is on the roof of his house to break in and he goes outside and just like, hey, you. And it turns out to be Santa and Santa slips and falls and dies. Like there's so, so much like elegance in the simplicity of that moment. Uh, it's just it's just the idea of it is so bizarre that then he becomes him (laughs) i believe the show though kind of retcons that to be more like oh scott was the chosen one since birth so the previous santa was really ready to give it up and he didn't have any more clauses so he had to die and he's like they're like all right go stand on this roof at this time (laughs) on this day and this guy's gonna yell at you and then you get your out 
you're finally free. Apparently. So again, something I gathered, whether it was from a YouTube video or a Wikipedia article, Mrs. Claus, like she's the first Mrs. Claus because he's the first true human Santa. So the Mrs. Claus never really took effect with those other beings. Oh, I was just like, maybe they were already married when he became Santa. So I was like, I don't know. But that's sort of why Bernard and Curtis forgot because it never had really applied till that Santa. I don't know. Again, I haven't seen the show. I'm not even sure what it's really about. I don't know. It's interesting. Okay. Santa Claus 3. Oh, baby. The Escape Clause. The Escape Clause. And and I don't know if you're going to read a plot summary or we're just going to go right into it. I'll give a little brief sort of synopsis that from my memory and just, you know, if you remember like that little thing I said earlier about being sick. Yeah. I watched this like before Thanksgiving because we were going to record that <laughs> long ago and I have not rewatched it because I let my Disney plus lapse and I don't know where to watch it for free at the moment. So Santa's doing his thing at the North pole. Mrs. Claus is pregnant and Santa's having trouble balancing his home life with his work life. And, Christmas is coming up. They need to do all these renovations. Also, Mrs. Claus's in-laws are coming to visit because she's pregnant. They want to be there for the birth. And so they don't want to let the in-laws know that the North Pole and Santa Claus is real. So they try to convince them they're in Canada the entire time. (laughs) And that doesn't go over too well for a while. But it doesn't matter because... Jack Frost is is here, and he is played by none other than Martin Short. Jack Frost has this whole plan where he wants to like take over the North Pole and be Santa. He kind of tricks Santa into using the escape clause, which is like shaking a globe and going back to the moment before he was Santa. And then Martin Short puts on the coat instead. And Tim Allen is like stuck in the like world that it would have been in if he never became Santa. And his life is horrible. And it's like it's a wonderful life where like everything is wrong and twisted and backwards and no one remembers him as Santa. So then he goes to the North Pole because Jack Frost opened it up to everybody and was like, Christmas is real. And like, come to me instead of me going to you. (laughs) And then I kind of forget what happens after that i kind of forget the big ending scott calvin tricks him to like saying the magic words and yes you have to say while holding the snow globe i wish i'd never been santa at all and they trick jack frost into doing that with the sort of home alone 2 like vocal voice recorder talk boy uh and in the end everything goes back to normal and then the in-laws are let in on the whole idea that christmas is real and their son-in-law is santa uh the baby is born oh it's also it's also all like bookended by mrs claus explaining this to her school kids led by abigail breslin who's like where do babies come from well let me tell you how mine was born I mean, that's a pretty good summary of the movie. You pretty much hit on everything. So we can now talk about the weird parts here. I want to just run through the cast. I have no, I have notes on all of them. We've already talked Tim Allen here. Again, I do think he's great as Scott Calvin, whatever I feel about this movie. Yeah, I, I will also say, let me just chip in because like I've watched tons of Home Improvement, but I didn't like any of it. Maybe you watched for Wilson. Well, yeah, Wilson always has a great gag, but I was never a big Tim Allen fan, never a fan of his comedy, but he never, I never like hated him either, you know? 
But I could honestly say watching him play Santa, he looks like he's having the time of his life. It feels like he's like, I can't believe I get to do this while watching him play Santa Claus. So that's always fun. He's one of the best Santas. Like, you know, hands down, he's one of the best Santas. You know, it's cool. The prosthetics are great. The prosthetics are like amazing, you know, like he still looks a lot like Tim Allen, but he also looks like realistically oversized and all that kind of stuff. So good stuff. Martin Short, again, I love Martin Short. He's one of my favorite actors, comedians of all time. And I was just wondering, Jiminy Glick for you. Oh my God. (laughs) Conan (laughs) O'Brien. But uh, Martin Short, I mean, Only Murders in the Building, maybe the modern people know him from that. He had worked with Tim Allen on this little known or seen Disney film called Jungle to Jungle. Oh, he was in that? Yeah, like he is Tim Allen's like right-hand man. And look, it's not necessarily a good movie, but they have great chemistry together. They're hilarious together. So I think Disney was like, let's try to play that again. And again, I I think they do well together here. So happy to see Martin Short. I have a theory about Martin Short. He has good chemistry with everybody. (laughs) You know, Steve Martin, I just watched their Netflix special. Like that is such a fantastic time. You know, even Captain Ron, him... (laughs) (laughs) Him and Kurt Russell, like they form a great duo in that movie. Yeah, I love his energy. I've always loved him ever since uh, I was a kid. I liked Ed Grimley because there was a cartoon and I didn't know he was Ed Grimley. And there was like a live action version of it from (laughs) SCTV and all that kind of stuff for for a while. There was a cartoon of everything. That's hilarious. Elizabeth Mitchell, do you have any more notes on her? I first noticed her on Lost, maybe it was season like three maybe season four season three and that's really all i know her from i i think she's good they don't really mrs claus her up as much as i thought like the problem with santa is that he's eternally old right and like you don't want to make mrs claus like you don't want to turn elizabeth mitchell into like an old maid in this movie right so maybe they should have figured something out in the second one where like he still could have been Santa but he could have been like leaner and cooler looking and like you know more of a Fonzie Santa or something or I don't know like age into Santa the unspoken thing is like this is literally a depiction of how in Hollywood men are allowed to age and women are not it's as simple simple as that Judge Reinhold and Wendy Crewson returning as Neil and Laura who are you know the married couple they have Lucy together but of of course, they are the parents as well of Charlie. Neil is so famous for his sweaters. I mean, he's the best in the first Santa Claus, to be honest with you. he He's always been my favorite character. <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing. Wow. Just, just like overanalyzing things. Well, it's so fantastic in this one um, that he knows santa's real and all this stuff. And like you see the performance is that of a, an eight-year-old or something. You know what I mean? Like he's just ecstatic. Yeah. The, the character, the entire movie. And like that kind of energy can't be easy. And like Judd Reinhold, like I haven't seen him in a lot lately. I know where he's going to be next summer on Netflix as of this recording. Do, 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 part four. I just need to see more of him everywhere is basically what like, I think he should have a new phase in his career, you know, where he gets a show or something. I don't know, but like he needs to do, I'd love to see him do more. Let's talk about some of the newer characters. Like, we're not going to really talk about, the, sorry, Liliana Mur- Murmy, Mumi, who plays Lucy, very much featured in this film, but we don't have any notes on her. Two new people, as you mentioned, are Mrs. Claus's parents, which are played by, as you mentioned, Alan Arkin and Anne Margaret. Does, does that mean Anne Margaret's not coming? All I know is that when this 
happened, I lost my mind. And I was like, all right, I don't care whatever else happens in this movie. I like this movie because Alan Arkin is going to be like wandering around the North Pole. And it's terrific of him going, why is this like that? Why is that like this? I was waiting for him to curse. Oh, I'm sure there's some outtakes like between him and Tim Allen. What the fuck are these Canadians short for? Like, I don't understand. I've been to Canada. They're not this fucking short. (laughs) But and Margaret, too. I mean, so Joey and I are in the middle of our Viva Pod Vegas podcast where we're watching all the Elvis movies and she's in Viva Las Vegas. She's in like our titular movie and stuff. And like she was supposed to be in like several more Elvis movies. So like every time I see her pop up, I think of Elvis and how great she is. And she's wonderful and kooky and fun in this and just a blast. And them as a couple, like I totally buy it. I totally buy this. (laughs) <laughs> most realistic thing in the whole movie yeah honestly i liked them as a couple personally i think too much of this movie takes place in the north pole why am i thinking there was another movie that was exactly i was on a podcast that had this exact same problem and i can't remember what it was that there's too much north pole in the santa claus three this is gonna sound silly but i was talking about on Texas slumber party we were talking halloween town too and they were almost like not enough in halloween town it's weird when you have two worlds right like this one they're in the north pole a lot and it almost overexpose the north pole part half the time the north pole is supposed to be canada so like that's not really can doesn't look like canada you know of course not of course not no one no one would be fooled look as a kid watching the original santa claus and seeing the presentation of the north pole it Mm -hmm. was mesmerizing and again i think the sequel just overexposed it like we were there too much and but it is what it is right it's part of the plot I think I had that somewhere in my notes. Like, I'd have liked to have seen Jack Frost, like, back at his house or his castle or, like, his country. (laughs) Speaking of Jack Frost and... What is it called? The Council yeah, of Legendary Figures? Something like that? I just wrote down Holiday Council. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh! also, I also wrote down Jack Frost. He's a season, not a holiday. <laughs> they have a lot of problems with that in their council. Like the Sandman, like he's not a holiday. He's not even a season. He's just a fucking like magical being. Yeah, they're just mythical, magical beings. But he's also like Orpheus, the god of dreams. Like what the hell is he doing here hanging out with these freaks? Like Kevin Pollock as Cupid. So yeah, Michael Dorn as the Sandman is amazing, right? Kevin Pollock as Cupid is so random. That is so bizarre. Like, he doesn't seem like that kind of actor, but whatever. That's the reason, right? It's not that it's Cupid. It's that it's him. Aisha Tyler as Mother Nature. I really like her. I love Aisha. Peter Boyle as Father Time. Did him and Alan Arkin shake hands, like, at the end of this movie or something? And he say, like, see you soon. Something that people mention about peter boyle's role here that confuses everyone is that he's in the first film as scott calvin's boss oh what do you know maybe he killed father time put on his shroud and became him that's what i'm thinking right i wonder if that's how all of these magical beings got their job did did michael dorn wake up in the middle of the night and kill the sandman and then like put on his helm and like take his gem have his little sack of sand and he's like became him and what did babe ruth from the sandlot have to do to become the, the tooth fairy a lesser known actor plays the easter bunny jay thomas oh i know jay thomas he's big in cheers yeah like if you know cheers that you probably know him from there otherwise it's just like bit parts here there he was a dj for a while i read wow he put on the makeup but the easter bunny 
what a weird character this is the horniest easter bunny ever i don't understand why if you capture his lines he has one about like yeah i make a lot of babies you know and i bet jay thomas wrote him himself it's all improv this movie feels like as as tight and like well kind of produced it is it also has like a bit of a loosey kind of a loosey goosiness to it at times when like just when characters are in like a two shot or like in the middle of a scene someone will throw out a look or say a line and i'll just be like what the what like it's just something that's so sort of off about some of this in a fun way in that fun way it does feel off like it feels a little subversive for the adults in a pixar way like not big at all but like here and there you know i think even just having alan arkin in the movie is like for the adults i have two other just like production notes that i wanted to go over and then again whatever scene you want to talk about i'm here for it but I, i read this in the wikipedia article Martin Short, his motivation for how he behaved as Jack Frost, how he acted as Jack Frost, he said it was a cross between Liza Minnelli and Liberace. Oh, I see it instantly. <laughs> what a good mind he has to be like, oh, this meets that. Totally. Oh, for sure. Comedic genius. Um, and then the other thing is something I've been alluding to the entire time is, you know, the whole Where's Bernard thing. Krumholtz. Even though he's, I don't know if Bernard's mentioned, I don't remember, but if it is, it's in passing very briefly, but I I doubt it. I assume Curtis has been promoted to head elf. He seems like he's head elf here, Spencer Breslin's character. Um, As I mentioned in the second one, he's sort of like the secondary elf, Bernard's right-hand man. So they wrote this film at a time when David Krumholtz had been doing numbers, that TV show Numbers. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a big deal in that. They just assumed that he was not going to be available. And he's like, hey, look, I will make it work, even if it's for something here, something there. This Bernard character is super important to me. It's, it's ironic because he's like Jewish and stuff. Jewish? Maybe that's why. Maybe he's like, I was able to play one of them. <laughs> I'm doing him in Oppenheimer, by the way. He just really likes those Christmas residual checks. But, but he was like, I will make it work with my schedule. So they said, okay. And they wrote him a part and they weaved him into the story. And apparently... And I'm paraphrasing here. He said it was so bad and like it just did an injustice to his character that he was like, you know what? Just leave me out. It's not worth it. What did they do? I don't know. He's like, I'm not going to run around so that like this happens to my character. So they scrapped it and we get Curtis. And I think Curtis is a little overexposed here. Okay. Real quick, before moving forward, Brian, we should see if we could reach out to Krumholtz when we do part two on High School Slumber Party and <laughs> see if he wants to talk about the story or anything like that. Not that we know him, not that we have a shot or anything but like we might as well give it a shot we have a year it's worth a shot but that is insane it's intriguing like i said yeah, but they, they could have at least put a line of like curtis is like oh this is my first year as head elf bernard's retired or something like that no, you know? oh you know it would have been funny if in like he's setting up the south pole because the operation's getting too big up here right you know that's a good <laughs> one too right like acknowledge bernard who has been presumably at this job for a thousand years as head elf i also again i think that there are some very successful child actors abigail breslin like it was nominated i think for at least a golden globe maybe even oscar for a little miss sunshine around this time right Right? But uh, it's not me dissing Spencer Brenslin. I think he did a fine job. But when you have an adult 
who's a really good actor, Bernard, playing that role essentially in earlier films, and now you transition to a kid, it's almost not fair to Spencer Breslin. And I know I'm overanalyzing this film, but I know I said, again, I said, I said Neil was my favorite, but really I think Bernard is my favorite as a head elf. Neil, Neil's my second favorite. They just overloaded this character, if you ask me, you know, and gave the actor too much to do. You know, should have split up his role a little more. Should have had like an assistant himself. Again, I just think if you're going to use Curtis, they already set Curtis up. It's not weird that he would take over as head elf, but just acknowledge the person who got you there, Bernard, sometime during this film. Or have a picture of Bernard. That would have been hilarious if uh, you're in Tim Allen's office, which does he have that gigantic Zardoz-esque fireplace? So weird. It's so weird. In the last movie, like if he's got, like, so. that is insane. That is some scary shit. Like he should have the picture on the mantle there of Bernard. Like what else blows my mind? Maybe this is in part two somewhere, but I know it's not in the first one. Where's like the Hall of Santas? Where's that kind of shit? Where's like Santa's Museum of the Past and like the naughtiest kid ever and the nicest kid? Like I was expecting way too much at this point. That was something I, I thought was going to happen. I thought we would learn a little more. Maybe that's the series. It seems like that's the series. And again, I don't, I don't know if I agree with every direction the series went. But if you are looking for more of the lore, it seems like that's the series. This seems like a cash grab kids movie that they wanted to make. Yeah, I'm shocked there aren't action figures of this movie. Like then, like a Jack Frost from then. Maybe there are. Oh, okay. So there are a couple of moments. At least there's at least one moment that blew my mind that I have to mention. But there aren't that many other moments in the movie that we really need to go over. I think it is more interesting talking about the movie than talking about the movie. Because I think we also covered a lot of the stuff. So what was the moment you're talking about? So, okay. So we didn't really talk about little Lucy very much. It's, it's Neil and Laura's daughter. They're all up in the North Pole and like they know their dad is Santa, obviously, and they know about the Santa secret, but they all have to keep it a secret from Alan Arkin and Anne Margaret. And Jack Frost is walking around looking like an icicle, right? So Lucy's like doing something and Jack Frost kind of like slides up to her and goes like, oh, like, who are you? What are you doing? What's your name? And she's like, oh, you know, I'm Lucy. Who are you? And he's like, what do you mean? Who am I? I'm Jack Frost. And she's like, never heard of you. I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, you never heard of Jack Frost? Do you ever sing Jack Frost nipping at your toes? Like, what do you mean? You, you're you either throwing, like, the most immense shade ever at this guy or, like, you really don't know who he is? Like, I just didn't know. As a writer, it just, not that I'm a writer, but I'm saying if I was writing this, I'd be like, that's bad. Don't put that in there. Like, figure out another insult for her to sort of like turn it on or be like, oh, I've heard of you. I just don't know, you know, care or something. It's a simple line fix. To me, the line is, oh, you're actually a real person. I thought it, you were just a lyric in a song, you know? They're, dude, perfect. That would have bruised his ego so much harder because she did hear about him and you're like a loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this feels like, I don't know if it was a rush job, and I know it's really hard to make a movie, so I don't want to diss these writers or directors or anything like that. Definitely doesn't feel like it has as much care put into it as the, the first one had. Well, especially the first two acts, like I, or the first act and a half, it feels like it's on some kind of autopilot with this whole, let's get the in-laws up here. Oh, Brian. Okay. That reminds me. Before we talk more about the movie, I have to ask you, you recently had to balance work with a pregnant wife. <laughs> Did this movie ring true on any level to you as far as these adults' behavior during these moments of crisis? Yes. 
only like in obvious ways, right? You know, you don't you didn't want to tread too far when your wife's in the third trimester, right? Like you didn't want to not be available to her. You want to support her in every way. You're hanging out with in-laws a lot when your wife's <laughs> pregnant and and has a baby, right? It is a good question, and there are elements here of that, but it's definitely not like anything you couldn't figure out on your own without asking me that question, right? They're all like really obvious stuff. Not like I wasn't like, oh yeah, you know, that's an emotion they don't really talk about of expecting fatherhood that they really dove into here. It's more like we got to make sure to get to the hospital on time, like make sure <laughs> yes, that, like exactly. the bags packed. And so, so, yeah, it's very it's very sitcommy. You're right, you're right. I just still thought it was funny watching it. You, I think at the time your daughter was born, but having just gone sort of through this over the past year, how much you related to Santa Claus in this movie. (laughs) Trust me, look, and you mentioned sitcom, right? Like I can try to count right now, but so many babies were born on Friends, right? (laughs) And now I have a new enjoyment of some of those episodes. Like a sitcom is a great framing device just for life, right? Like I, I could watch Seinfeld as a child and some things are funny, right? But now... Having gone through this, other things are funny, right? Like, you gotta see the baby. So this movie, I don't know how many levels it has. I think, again, I hate saying it, but the first Santa Claus, I think there's multiple levels there. I think there's enjoyment for kids and enjoyment for adults there, right? Like, the whole, you know, divorce element feels very real in the first Santa Claus. This this one, suddenly everyone's friends, right? Dinner at Denny's with the divorced dad in the first movie. It's like, that's depressing that a child can understand. That, But that is an all-timer right there. And we are on the exact opposite end of that here, where like everyone's literally going down like a Christmas slide in the snow, <laughs> like happy holding hands. Again, it's Neil literally in the first one analyzing like Scott are Charlie's problems because you're not there or you are there or you're confused. Yeah. The, the therapist has said this and that and this. And, and to, like, I hope I don't have to deal with this one day, but I know it's very real for, you know, people I know and people in my life where, um, you know, you're divorced and you have a kid and someone else marries your partner and someone else is raising your child with you. Right. You have to coexist with someone you don't really like, you know, for the good of your own child. And that's a big element of the first one. And in this yeah. one, there's almost too much coexistence way too much way too much you better cross your fingers you get judd reinhold as a stepdad but they've translated all that to the in-laws this is that classic sitcom trope of oh, i hate my in-laws this movie came out in 2006 and we still hate the in-laws like we can't get away from it i just think that's kind of funny that reminds me of something hilarious that i read that like um about like gen zers one thing, and it's very sitcom one thing that, again, these are just like stupid articles, but that they can't understand is why everyone in the previous generation hates their wife. Every sitcom's about that. Like, Well, Henny Youngman wrote a joke 70 years ago. <laughs> Take my wife, please. And that's every show ever now. <laughs> it's like, wait, if you marry someone, shouldn't you like them? Like, it's like, you know what? Shouldn't you? You're on to something there. Would it be as entertaining? Would you tune in every week if they liked each other? Would you watch? married with children if he liked his wife probably not yeah <laughs> if like if it was called happily married with children but yeah it's, it's a similar trope like oh the in-laws and look there is some truth to that like right it's a, a judging new set of parents for you or just just anybody like strangers you know it can be like you can't instantly just assume you're going to get along with everybody right and again i get it too like they haven't seen her in years like and when they knew her she hated christmas now <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know her anymore 
<laughs> this does not feel like it should be a whole movie. Like this feels like an mm. episode of the show. No, I feel that. And it's very short. You know, it's only like 90 minutes. They covered as much ground as like an episode of television. They retread a lot of the previous movies, which is what a lot of part threes do. They even go back into the first movie, which I don't know if Back to the Future started that, but this movie goes back into the first movie and like changes shit and creates an alternate timeline for a while. That doesn't change back until like the very end. And even then, we're not sure how everything's changed. And if it's all changed back, we just know that Jack Frost has like warmed his heart. And now he looks like a freakish human with his weird hair and his pointy face. It looks very weird at the end, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I don't know why he turns into a human and not just Jack Frost again. That's the thing. He just warms up. He should have melted entirely into a puddle and then they should have like (laughs) drank him. But like he's still whatever kind of like holiday being he is, like whatever freakish creature he was, he still is. It's just that he's not cold anymore. He's like kind and warm, warm hearted. But doesn't doesn't he lose his powers? He's Jack Frost. Maybe now he's just Jack. I don't know. And I'm also saying he looks very bizarre at the end. It would have been much better if he just turned into normal Martin Short. Once you melt all that, why is he? He looks like a, a freaky Bart Simpson. I'm not a fan of it, but I'll say I do like him as Santa. I don't like him as Santa, but I like the the depiction, right? Like it's two mythical figures in one. It, it's kind of cool. It is a weird fusion, like Gene Crisping thing going on with all that kind of like mushed together two in one kind of thing. I also think it's insane that the idea is that he opens up the North Pole like it's Great Adventure or Disneyland and, and tells everybody to come to Christmas instead of bringing Chris. Like what dark heart thought of that idea like there are nuggets of interesting stuff in this film it just felt like it didn't have enough care here and like i said could have been an episode of the series so pains me to say it i i'm not gonna like resubscribe to disney plus for it but like if one of my friends happens to get like a, an, an episode or i see i will i would check out an episode just to see how they take it because i think as is evident with tonight like even if it's not like necessarily good or whatever like there's so much interesting stuff in this universe that i need to know like i feel like i need to know with the council and like how many previous santas and like all this stuff like i just it unexpectedly built a really solid world somehow many franchises strive to build a larger universe with their movies i didn't even see the second one and i went from one to three and i realized like oh my god there's like a really lived in world here you made me think of something because I had heard that like almost everyone returns in the series, even if it's for a cameo, right? So I'm like, do they explain the Bernard thing? And they actually do, as I'm reading. He cameos and he's actually his age he is now. And it is explained that this is hilarious, actually. And it makes me want to watch the show, even though people say it's terrible. He met Vanessa Redgrave, the actual Vanessa Redgrave. Like, it's not Vanessa Redgrave playing a character. He met the actress Vanessa Redgrave, fell in love and gave up his immortality to marry her. And that's why he's not in the third film. So he's just like a human now. Oh my God, that's hilarious. That's what I'm saying about the show, though, is like they've managed to build a show around all this shit, you know? Like uh, there's all this lore and all that and, you know, good for them. You know, it's just the way I didn't really think I'd come across feeling about this franchise in the end. I always 
just felt like just write it off like everything else that's kind of like not for my age at this point but there's some crazy shit going on in in the santa claus series for sure i'll tell you what mike it's better than home alone 3 <laughs> yes it actually was better than home alone 3 speaking of home alone 3 did you see like the home alone 3 actor reemerged and he looks just like me now oh that's right uh well you gotta say like the kid that played like the new kevin right <laughs> yeah he's not kevin he's just like a random kid but he's like the kevin sir apparently he's like a recluse for a while no one knew where he was and he reemerged, and he looks so much like me that like I, I show it to people and they don't believe that it's not me they're like i don't get it wait what how old is that kid now too in that picture is he your know. age are you guys the know. same age who knows sometimes in these movies like it's a kid but like they shot it years ago yeah or or like you're 11 playing eight. Oh, he's actually he's actually not that far he's two years younger than me which is not that crazy funny thing is like he doesn't really look like me without the beard or anything like that it's just this one well no it's the whole look like that's what make that's what makes him look like you is that that's your look (laughs) it's insane it's insane well i mean it's not like you look like richard dreyfus you look like richard dreyfus in jaws like is a (laughs) distinction i thought it looked like richard dreyfus in mr holland's opus well, he goes through like three decades of makeup in that movie. So which time period? Maybe during the 70s <laughs> Maybe. when he's having the affair with the student. What irony for Mr. Holland, who is the music teacher and a conductor, I'm amateur conductor, has a deaf son in the movie. I'm just laughing because like, not at the deaf son, but like, you're right. It's just like, they wanted you to be like, what? You can't hear, but my life is sound. <laughs> All right, here's the hammer. Can you hit me over the head a few more times? Thank you. Mike, you are back. You are back podcasting. We are back, baby. So this will be out January 3rd. We missed a month. What can I say? Hey, everybody, even didn't Cal Ripken Jr., even he missed a day, right? Eventually? Eventually, yes. But yeah, that's my point. You know, I'm back. We're doing it again. Brian, I might call on you sooner than later to do another one of these soon because I got to do one for February now. So we got to think of something fun or something relevant or recent or whatever, you know. Or just go down your list of important ones because you still got them yeah and there's going to be more new i saw a list of not just part threes but two threes fours like there's so many sequels coming out this year but i mean among them like deadpool 3 very excited for that other part threes i'm sure but until then brian is there anything else you'd like to say now that i'm back check out Uncle Francis Wine Cellar, you know, you and I host that show. We're having a lot of fun there. It's going to be a really big year on Uncle Francis because we're going to talk some books there. Something you used to do here on That's Third right. Times of Charm. You're going to need to do High School Slumber Party with me. I haven't announced this, but I'm sort of rebooting High School Slumber Party a little oh, bit. Nice. I just love doing the theme stuff, right? And I want to do more of that. Uh, so that's going to be more of my focus. And I think we're just going to, you know, I don't want to tease it too much. All right. How about we tease the tease? All right. Something is coming over at high school summer party. Something's, um, something's going to happen, but we can't tell you exactly what's going to happen. Yep, something is coming there. And who knows? We always have fun little stuff down the pike. If I could make all the shows I wanted to make. Really? You know. I, I'll tell you what was fun and, and new uh, for us, but I hadn't done it in a while, was one of those commentary tracks we did for The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. I think that went over really well with us, and I look forward to possibly doing something like that again soon. Oh, yeah. No, we have to finish the Corey is for good. It's a lifelong quest. <laughs> and, Brian, you saw Corey Filman has his own Funko Pop now. Gotta find out how to get one and can we make a Corey Haim one too i'm sorry can we i mean i think you can technically make a one-off of anything you want nowadays so maybe we can make our own 
Corey Corey's from our favorite Corey movies. <laughs> yeah, but we shouldn't have to build it, right? Corey Feldman should be like, Corey Haim was my boy, and let, let's do a two Corey series, and they do the Lost Boy one, you know, the the erotic thriller. Uh, that we oh, Blown Away. Yeah, we get Nicole Eggert on here, too. Yeah, just give me the licensing rights to his to his image, and I'll build some Funko Pops, yeah. Well, Mike, it's always a pleasure to be on third times, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll talk soon on another podcast, I'm sure, and I'll be back here. All right, and everyone else, until next time, we will see you then. That's the magic number. Three. Yes, it is. It's the magic number. Three. Three. They stubbing me, and that's the magic number. What does it all mean?